0: We're going to continue in worship through the study of God's Word, the Bible, and talk about what what we've been talking about for a week now, this will be week two, as we take this journey to Christmas, right? And so all of us, no matter what we're doing this time of the year, we're kind of taking a journey toward this Christmas day, and so we've been talking about that. And we're going to talk about four major principles, I guess, as we kind of go toward Christmas and remember, you know, what Christmas is about, but how we can celebrate Christmas better as as people. Uh, That's what we want to do. And so we talked last week about hope and how it's a season of hope that we get to hang out with family. Thanksgiving kind of kicks that off, and we get to be with people and be encouraged. And hopefully you're experiencing it in your life. If you're not, I, I would encourage you to avail yourself to relationships. Uh, don't isolate yourself, but find ways to get with people so that we can uh, love one another and give a little bit of hope. Because everybody needs a little hope. I need a little hope sometimes, and so everybody needs some hope. We talked about that last week, what we have in, in Christ at Christmas. And, and then this week we're talking about love, right? And I want to start uh, di- a little differently, but I want to ask a question of us today. And I want us to think during the time in the Word and stuff, to think practically. Not theoretically, maybe not even theologically, and We want to, but think really, really, for real, in our lives, for everyone in the room today, how can we do this? And the question is, how can... We show someone love this Christmas. Simple question. How can we show someone more love this Christmas? We talked already about the Christmas Eve. We're going to go out and have a great time. It's an awesome event out at the barn at our friend the Brink's uh, farm. We can go out there and and hang out. But what what can we do uh, to do that? So I'm going to pray. We always do this where we get into God's word that he would reveal truth to us. We have no wisdom of ourselves, but he has all the wisdom. And so we can ask him for it. And he loves to answer that prayer. So pray with me if you would. Father God, we just thank you so much for who you are, uh, for the opportunity we've had to worship you through our presence this morning, through song, uh, through relationship, through our children coming up here and now going back to learn. And now for us to sit at your feet as your children and hear from you that you would instruct us in our lives, Father, whatever we're coming out of, whatever we're walking in from, that we would find rest in you and we could be authentic before you, like real with you where we are. Whatever you have to do in our lives, I pray that we would have the willingness to let you do it and to just listen and learn as you work. Um, Would you teach us? We pray that your Holy Spirit would uh, minister to us, serve us, encourage us, bless us today. Your servants are listening. Would you speak, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to start today with a psalm. and I'm going to put it up on the screen. Uh, It's Psalm 86. You can turn if you want. You don't have to. I'm not there yet. There we go. Um, Psalm 86. I want to just kind of break it down a little bit as we talk through it. This is what it says. The psalmist, by the way, the psalmists are poets and songwriters, like, who are writing about God. Uh, all kind of great stuff in the psalms. But this is what uh, the psalmist says. This is David. You are forgiving and good, O Lord, abounding in love to all who call on you. It's King David writing. He says some things about God that I wanted to begin as we reflect on this idea of love at Christmas and what that means. And the first thing he says is that God is forgiving. I want you to notice that David going, and David would know what it means to screw up, right? David going to God believes when he goes to God that God is forgiving, and he reminds God of his forgiving nature, that he is uh, forgiving. You, God, are forgiving. And then the second thing, right away, he tells God, back to God's self, he says, and God, you are good. You are good. And I think that those two underlying principles can encourage us to to show up and let and let god do what it comes next which is he says you are abounding in love abounding in love that god has more love to pour out than he knows what to do with and it's manifest in these ways so he points out three things i want to go through one more time here that god is a forgiving god right how many times in our lives do we think, you know, God is angry? Oh, he's an angry God, you know. Or, or, or uh, God is uh, impatient with us, you know. How long will you screw up, right? Um, but David says, no, God's forgiving. And, and God is good. By the way, that's one of those things if you look at our culture and the conversation that they have, there's a constant questioning of the goodness of God. That's almost, I, I'm, I'm always intrigued about these conversations between believers and non-believers because I was a non-believer for so long. And one of the things that always comes out is there can't be a God because if there's a God, it can't be a good God because the world's so broken. But David doesn't believe that. And the Bible doesn't teach that. Uh, the Bible teaches that God is good and the world is broken. So he has forgiveness here and the goodness of God. And then he says, and God, you abound in love. You abound in love. And then, and then he says, for all who call on you, and then if you notice, and we won't get into it, but then David begins to talk to God about the things in his life. He begins to call on God. See, he's talking about himself. You're good to me. I, I need you to be good so I can come to you with some, some things. Well, then the second kind of place I want to stop in this is in the uh, book of Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah the, the prophet. Again, I'll have this on the screen. We are going to work basically a, a, in a New Testament chapter, but I wanted to share this with you as well on our way. Jeremiah thirty three fourteen. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the gracious promise I made to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. And I'm going to read on a little more. In those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will be in safety. This is a name by which it will be called or he will be called the Lord, our righteousness. 17. Because this is what the Lord says. David will never fail to have a man sit on the throne of the house of Israel, nor will the priests who are Levites ever fail to have a man stand before me continually to offer burnt offerings, burnt grain offerings, and present sacrifice. God says, I made a good promise, a gracious promise, and I will fulfill it. When David says, God is good, God is forgiving, and God is abundant in love, here he's reminding his people. By the way, um, Israel is calling out, right? I mean, Israel is calling out to God, what will you do? And God says, I will keep my promises to you. We could talk, we won't this morning, we could talk about how, you know, um, Jesus is the fulfillment of the Davidic promise, right? That he's in the lineage of David. We, we talked about that a little bit last week. I mean, the, the preamble to the Mary and Joseph story was to make the case that he is in the Davidic line, born in Bethlehem, as um, Dale pointed out this morning. But here I just wanted to be reminded that God always keeps his promises. Always keeps his promises. And so we wait upon him for what uh, he is to bring us. So then the question becomes, wh- what does this have to do with love? What does it have to do with love, right? Other than uh, God is um, abundant in love, what, is it, what does that mean? And I don't know if you're like me, uh, being a christmas E and all, but um, that sent me this week on a bit of a rabbit trail into the question Actually it wasn't me, I can't take credit for it. A, a great friend of mine said asked me this question. What is love? And I was like That's a great question. <laughs> Let me Google that. And this is what I found. What is love? Baby don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. Yeah. No Baby, hurt Come on, y'all. I don't know what he's talking about. The not though. I guess that's, that's not love? I don't know. And I was like, okay. That's cool. What is love? It won't stop. I can't stop it. Can <laughs> you push me? We might have to listen to the entire song. You might have hit the stop button at the top. Oh, I love it, right? But, but then I, I no, so this is no joke. So that, that sent me on this rabbit trail, seriously, all week to say, so what is love? If we're going to do more love at Christmas, if we're going to have more love at Christmas, if we want to find love on the journey toward Christmas, then, then what is love? I'm not going to play this song anymore, I promise you. Um, but... So i want to look at that. So you've seen, spoiler alert, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 13. Now this is funny, uh, coming off of a wedding and all, because this is, some people would almost call it a wedding verse. They would say this is a wedding verse, but it's more than that. You can turn it if you want to. Uh, page was 800 in the Bibles at the end of the chair rows on the table in front of you. And so we're going to talk through this, and then kind of talk categorically about what love, uh, what is love, seriously. And let, let the Bible correct us instead of us, correcting the Bible. Or like God teaches us instead of us teaching God, right? What we think it is. So I'm going to read it first and then we'll talk through it. Verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, and it always perseveres. And then lastly, love never fails. We've almost all heard that at a wedding at some point, Read. Um, I was surprised uh, a few weeks ago. I was vi- visiting a family member who was uh, passing, dying. And, and, and we were just, just having a chat, and they say, Can you read me that verse about love? what verse? The one in the Bible. You know the one. And I went like, oh, First Corinthians 13. I reading. Yes, that's the one. And literally, for this person whom I love so much, um, it was like washing. It was like washing them. They were just like, oh, yes, that's right. Like the Amen choir was going off in their head. That's how love is. I remember now. And I think that it's important that we would know that and know how uh, what God says love um, is like. Because everyone asks. Matter of fact. The question, what is love, is one of the most Googled questions. Now someone said maybe it's for the song, maybe it's for the question, right? But it's one of the most Googled questions of all questions that are asked in internet searching. What is, what is love? So I'm going to categorize these in like six distinct categories. We're going to talk through them a little bit and, and hopefully, seriously get some clarity about what love really should be, what we should be looking for, or what we should be showing others in our lives. So here are the categories real quick. Things that love is. What love is. The second is things that love is not. Right? The third, you may have heard in there, is things that love does not do. The fourth is things that love does. The fifth, love always does some things. And then lastly, love never does one thing. I was like, all right, let's let's think that through a little bit. So here we go. So going through those categories, love is. The first thing is love is patient. Love is patient, right? Um, patient and kind are the two things in the category that, of what love is. That's, if, if all the stuff I read to you, those are the only things that says love is, patient and kind. So the first thing, this idea of patience, is this idea of, of long-suffering. Long-suffering is kind of maybe an old uh, word, um, but it, it's, it, it's very clear, right? It means what it says. It means to suffer for a long time, right? As a matter of fact, it actually kind of means to not let your own um, desires or frustrations boil up. It, it means you are suffering. And the encouragement, and that what love is, is to suffer for a while, right? So long suffering. And then it says, Love is kindness. Kindness can be being a gentle person. Now, some of you are probably gentle by nature. Can you raise your hand if you're gentle by nature? If, you, if people say, Oh, you're such a gentle person. None of you are gentle people. Oh, there you go. One in the back. God help us. <laughs> How many of you struggle with gentleness? I'm going to raise my hand for real now. How many of you struggle with gentleness? <laughs> yeah. A uh, b- bunch of us, yeah. Yeah. Love is kind. I mean, I, I get that feedback a, a lot in my life, you know. C- can you just be a little more gentle? I'm not, I'm not very good at that. Um, that's what the word means to be, to be kind. Love is kindness. Or, or another way you can say it is love is being pleasant. Um, or, and this is interesting, love is being helpful. It's not just a matter of, of, when it says love is kind, like, oh, it's such a kind love. But, like, it's the kind of love that would carry your groceries up the stairs for you. Or it's the kind of love that would show up when you have a flat tire on the side of the road. Like, it's, it's useful. It, it's practical. Love. The kindness is. I think we kind of know it when we experience that, right? Like, when we're having a hard time and we, we find some kindness in the world, it's like, wow, that's different. And... The Bible says that's love. So that's the, the only two things that were listed as things that love is, but then, then it says things that love is not, which is just as important to know as what it is. So check these out. Love is not proud, self-seeking, or easily angered. That's in the list. Love is not proud, self-seeking, or easily angered. Proud means to be inflated or puffed up, you know. Um, that's exactly what I always think of when I think of being proud is like having your chest out, you know, your hands and your hips. You know what I mean? Like, like uh, I'm a big deal. Um, and, and, and it's important because we celebrate that stuff in life. And I'm going to say to you that some of the biblical model for love is contrary to the things that we celebrate as people. I want to say as a culture, we love this stuff as people. We kind of love prideful people. We put them on a stage. We celebrate and we cheer and chant our names. But the Bible says that that's not love. That love is not prideful. Love is not puffing yourself up, inflating your ego. I think the Bible says something like this. Don't think of yourselves more highly or lowly than you ought, but think rightly of yourself. That's more like love. Many times, though, we, we, we function that pride and we think it's love it also says that love is not self-seeking not not zeteoing. my favorite biblical word probably zeteo of your own things in life that's not love looking out for number one numero uno that's not love there's an argument made for it right ethical argument your job is to do what's best for you all the time that's your best commun- you know contribution to society do what's best for you the bible says that's fine that's not love Don't be deceived. And then then the third is easily angered. Um, I I think it's funny because it reads like um, love is not easily angered in and of itself, but it also means that you don't irritate or incite people to anger. So you don't get angry easily, but you don't push people toward getting angry with you. Love is, is not like that. Love doesn't needle us. It doesn't provoke us. It doesn't irritate us. That's not not love. It's not what love is. Second category then, or the third I should say, is love does not. So there's some things that love doesn't do. And it doesn't say never does, right? But it doesn't do. Here we go. Love doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It doesn't dishonor others. And it doesn't delight in evil. That's how those broke down as I saw it. So love does not envy things, people, situations. That's not what love does. And, and it's explicitly like kind of s- stated that way, right? That that's not what you do. You think, well, what does envy look like? You know, it's about being green with envy. Um, and we can talk about that, you know, again, we've discussed it before, but the difference between envy and jealousy and what that looks like and why it's contrary to what God has for us in our lives. But here, it's, it's just this idea that um, you begin to get, um, you're upset because someone has something that you think you should have. Or you're not happy that they have it. Or that they experience it. Or that they are it. It's so this idea of having a rivalry with somebody. That's envy. You know, someone, I heard someone say to me recently, uh, it's my arch nemesis. <laughs> that's a good definition of, of envy. <laughs> you might feel like it's competition, but it's more than that. And it's, it's not um, it's not what love does. Um, boasting, kind of almost the same thing as being prideful, right? Uh, showing off, love does not show off. Like how hard is that to figure out? Love does not show off. It's, it's not something love does. Again, we, we seem to enjoy that ourselves. It's a hard, hard difficult thing. Uh, love does not dishonor others. Your translation might say love is not rude, right? But another way to say that is it doesn't dishonor other people, it, it, it's, it's not something that love does. Love doesn't seek to put others down so that we can feel better about ourselves. Um, love doesn't seek to speak ill of other people when they're not around. It's not things that love does, it's not uh, bad form, improper. And then love doesn't delight in evil. Love does not rejoice in hurts. Love does not um, celebrate whenever uh, injustice occurs in our world. And it's such a funny thing because you read those things and you think, well, hey, that makes sense. But I can't help, as I reflect on my own life, I think in the times I've done those things that are not loving. (laughs) Celebrate injustice or, you know, uh, gloat a little bit over a hurt. Well, you should have saw that coming. Here's a, I told you so, (laughs) right? I knew it. And that's a little bit of what love does not do. It doesn't do it. Doesn't cloak or boast. So what does love do then? This is interesting. Love keeps no record of wrongs. That almost sounds like something that love doesn't do. I was thinking about it. I'm like, that almost sounds like something love doesn't do. Love keeps no record of wrongs. But then the keeps is like, in, it, it's, a, it's a proactive thing. It does. And this is what that tells me. That love ultimately works to not have a list of, of wrongs. Does that make sense? It's not just that love doesn't keep a list, <laughs> right? It's not just that love just um, passively uh, forgets, um, lets, it, lets it go into the waste bin of history, but instead, love actively works to not automatically build a list of wrongs, which what that means is that there's a tendency when we're not loving others to keep a list, right? Because love keeps no list, that means there's a default function that we have as human beings, which, by the way, I don't know if you've been watching all the things going on in the world. We, always, we live in it. Hopefully you've been noticing some things. The problem is we're people, <laughs> and we're sinful people. And so there's a tendency we have to keep a list of who hurt us and when and why. But here the scriptures teach us that love keeps no list of wrongs. It works at it. It's an opportunity to be free from it. To not continue to remember. To not count the bad. You know, I've heard something recently. Someone said, um, there's two times that you will share an experience in your life. Two times. When something is really, really good or when something is really, really bad. (laughs) Right? So, for instance... If you go to a restaurant and you have an awesome meal, you will probably take a picture of the food or the environment or a selfie. You're going to post it to your social media and you're going to tell all your friends what an awesome experience it was, right? On the other hand, if you go to a concert or a show or, a, you know, anything, you have know, a car dealership and you have a terrible experience, you're going to post it. Tell your friends. Maybe you're not going to be as like celebratory about it, but you're going to tell some people. Man, I had the worst experience. As a matter of fact, we have a tendency to gravitate toward bad experiences as people. I think there's something like what is it like like two or three like there's a ratio of bad things to good. We have to be reminded to re- to celebrate good things, but the bad we tell people automatically. Don't go there. Don't shop there. Don't be friends with them. Don't do that. It's bad that's a list of wrongs that's counting recording capturing bad experiences so love doesn't do it love does not it keeps no record of wrongs and then love rejoices in truth this is one of the favorite things because earlier it said um, love does not delight in evil right that's like a cheering of evil, like woohoo, bad things happen. I'm so happy about that. But this is really cool because it says love does rejoice with the truth. And uh, my favorite thing is it says it's to celebrate with people in their lives. It's to come alongside, literally, and synergistically with, with them, celebrate what's happening in their lives. That's what love does. So you have some good news like we heard this morning was Shared, right? You clap. You're like, yeah, that's awesome. You wait and you go up and give us my hug. You're like, I'm so glad to hear that for you. That's great. That's what love does. Love celebrates truth. And the, the idea here is truth is progress. We have a tendency, but it's, it's a lack of lies. So the more honest we are in our lives, the more it's celebrated. We're growing in honesty. Love celebrates that with us. Wow, that's awesome that you did that. Not, not just achievements, but experiences, right? And two more, right? Love Always—that's a bold word. I think Th- to say that something always happens. As a matter of fact, the connotation isn't just um, things that it always that love always does or yeah always happens, but it's also um, time and experience. It's past. It's to- totality. It's everything. Like there's no bigger word than um, that for all. And so it's like um, love always protects. Love always trusts, love always hopes, and love always perseveres. And so I just want to walk through those real quick. It always protects. That's the job of love. It's the issue of of, of a, a covering, a roof over your head, right? Or an umbrella in a rainstorm. It's a protection from the elements. Love always does that. If there's times that you've not been protected, it's a lack of love. You should be protected. That's what love always does. Always protects. Love always trusts. Always believes is the word I would use as well. Or has faith. Love always has faith. It's, it's never, uh, what is the word, like um, cynical? <laughs> Anymore, it's like we can have a club of cynical people, and people are like, yeah, I'm cynical too. <laughs> it's kind of a badge of honor. But love is not like that. Love has faith has hope, believes. And then the next, love hopes or expects good things. That's what love always does. Always expects good things. I don't know if uh, you get around people who are super positive and optimistic, but there comes a a point where it's kind of almost like too much. You know what I mean? Like too much of a good thing, and you're like, whoa. But that's how love is. It always says we're almost there. It's almost going to happen. We're just about to break through. That's the voice of love in our life. Love always hopes. And then my favorite man is love always perseveres. It always endures. I recently saw this, uh, this picture. I can't remember where I saw it, but someone had a, a wooby or a, a stuffed animal. I don't know what the thing was called. It was like a little bear or something they had when they were a kid. And they were given it when they were like, I don't know, four years old or something. And uh, they just dragged it around by its ear, you know. And it had been patched up and ripped and all this and that. And, and uh, it was an aunt that had given it to a little girl. And she had carried this thing everywhere in her life. And she was now, I think she was in her 20s, I want to say. And, or uh, maybe, uh, something like that, in her 20s. But she had had this thing, I'm sure she wasn't carrying it around anymore. <laughs> but she had this thing in her house. And her aunt passed away. And so they went to her aunt's house to clean out her aunt's house, right, And they were going through all this stuff, and lo and behold, in one of the closets in one of the bedrooms, they found an exact copy of this thing. Turns out that when her aunt gave it to her, she put one in the closet and didn't touch it. And so this person took this wooby I don't know what to call it, we'll call it a wooby this morning, (laughs) and this brand new with tags on version, and And they said two things about it. They said, look how beautiful the the new one. Look how beautiful it was. That's what they, look how beautiful it was. It was fluffy. It was soft. You know, you could just imagine. It's just, oh, it's so good. The tags were intact. They weren't even wrinkled. It was like brand new. And then next to it, this one is like dilapidated, like, you know, stuffing hanging out and the eyes, whatever. And it's all, and literally, like, the fur was gone. Like, it was rubbed off. There was nothing left of it. And she said, but that one shows all the love, right? It endures. Years later, it's still there. That's how love is. It, it perseveres, it endures, it lasts. You're not going to wear it out. There's always that concern. I'm just going to wear out love. You're not going to wear out love because it always endures. No matter how much we drag it around or, or cling to it, or need it, or cuddle with it. It always endures. And then the last we talked about already was, love never fails. It never falls down. It doesn't get up again. That's what the idea is there, right? Love never fails. Now here's the thing. I know when we read that stuff, and we think about love, we're like, man, you live in a fantasy world, because I've lived in the real world, and it's not like that. You know, love does fail People who are supposed to love me have failed me or I've been hurt or harmed or they've celebrated. They've, done th- they've not done these things, right? And um, I understand, but listen, it's not over yet. <laughs> like, I want to say that this morning. Whatever you've gone through, it's not over yet. The people that you meet in your life that you want to show love to, it's not over yet for them. Let's please don't ever act like it's over. Let's don't act like it's over Because what this says is love never ultimately fails. Does it say love never falls down? No. The idea is it doesn't fall down and stay down. Love never, another way you can say it is love never quits, stands up, dusts off, and goes back. Let's try again. That's love. It never ultimately fails, never does. So that, that's what the Bible teaches about love, right? Already there's some stuff that, I don't know if you're like me, but you feel like some of that stuff, oh, I don't do that well at all. Some of that stuff, like, okay, maybe. And maybe you, some people have done that well with me. Man, people have done a really bad job of loving me. As a matter of fact, definition confusion for a lot of people. They will do things that aren't loving and call it love, and we will grow up and become, and we'll think that's what love is, and it's not what love is. I'll let the Bible correct that right now. This is what love is. And so if we're loving like this, we're doing what the Bible says is love. And if we're not, we are not. And the same if we're receiving love that's not like this. It's not love. And if we are, it is. So the question now is how do we practically live it out, right? Because I want to talk about really on the journey to Christmas, how do we live out this reality of, of love in our lives? So how can we display or live out love that is patient and kind? How can we do that? My one word answer is you can wait. The tendency we have to not be loving toward people is when we grow impatient with them. So wait. And I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you, to you, I mean together, because that's a hard thing to do, to wait. To believe that God has enough time to do what God wants to do. That's how you can love people. Well, wait. How can you Uh, How can we not be proud, not be self-seeking, not be easily angered in our life, right? How can we do that? I think there's one key. Be humble. Be humble. Uh, This um, last week, I've had the opportunity to be um, humbled a few times. And I'm reminded of it in the middle of that, that that's right. That's what love looks like. I have a tendency to be proud and self-seeking and self-serving. So let me be humbled, let me be given some humility the way you could say it. The more humble we are, the less prideful we'll be, the less self-seeking we' will be. And listen, the less angry we will get. Because anger is about us um, being not, not being satisfied personally, right? That's what happens. I want you to do what I want you to do for me right now. So it's, it, and, and it's not humble at all. but humility thwarts anger. How can we not envy or boast, dishonor others, or delight in evil? I think one way we can do that is to listen to people. When you're like, tempted to tell people what you're thinking, how about you stop and just say, let me understand what you're thinking. Let me t- you tell me again what you think. You tell me again what your life is like. Let me hear again. Maybe even you listen with your life and you go and you you experience something with someone that you might get a better perspective on what's happening. It's hard to um, celebrate a failure in someone's life when you're on their side. And listen, as human beings, we should all be on a fellow human being's side. That's how that should work by default, right? We're not fighting each other. We're fighting for our very lives, our very souls. And we're all in the fight. So let's listen to one another. How can we keep no record of wrongs in our love? And, and how can we rejoice in the truth? Forgive. Forgive. That's how. Oftentimes when we're encouraged to forgive, you say, man, you don't know what I've been through. You don't understand. You're right. I don't know what you've been through. I don't understand. But you do. Right? Right? You know. This is something else I learned from a friend of mine. We were talking and talking about what forgiveness looks like. And, it's, and, and it was, uh, you know, it's, it's too easy. It's too cheap. It's not at all. You have to actually say there's been a lot of harm done and I'm going to choose to forgive the harm that was done. It's not in a disagreement that there's harm. There's, it's an acknowledgement of harm. But we can choose to forgive people that we might not keep a list of wrongs. And we might rejoice. Listen, we might rejoice in those little steps people take that I take you know yes you're still a mess but man that was a good step right that's what love does that's what we can do we can forgive people we can celebrate those incremental steps man let's focus on that and then the last here is how can we always uh, protect always trust always persevere and never fail how can we do that in our lives Really, right? You hear the always words? Always, 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 never, right? Like, how do you do that with that kind of, I think there's one way we can do it, and it's that we have to be in love. We have to be in love. You, you know, you, 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 we think about, oh, you mean like be in love with a, a partner, um, be in love with uh, my romantic? No, be, live be in love you have to find your dwelling there Um, we have to uh, you know work at that the reality that we must be in love so that we might do these things and do them better and and better all the time i'm going to share with you a a few verses about i think uh that ties us together with this idea of god's promises and god's fulfillment and our opportunity to love others and to be in love like today to be in love ourselves the first is from first john chapter 4 verses 9 and 10 this is what the word says this is how god showed his love among us he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him right he sent His one only Son to the world that we might live through Him. Ten, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. It's, you're right. I mean, we can unpack it, right? But how do you love people? You live in love. How do you forgive people? You recognize your forgiveness. We have to understand that, that we can live out of that space. This is what love looks like, that God would send his son to give himself, that we might be free, that he loved us that much. How about this passage? One more. Apologize. There we go. This is Romans 5, 6 and 8. Paul writing to the church says, Do you see? At just the right time, when we were still, listen to the word, powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, whenever we can most powerfully demonstrate love, when we recognize the way it demonstrated to us, what does the word say? When we were powerless, right? Um, When we were yet sinners, and we are yet sinners, folks. God loves us in this state. That's the model that we see him demonstrate for us. And that's how we can live in love, to recognize that. Listen, I know, your life isn't perfect. You're a mess. Things are screwed up. Mine too. But God loves us. Like, in that state, God loves us. He doesn't wait for us to get perfect to love us. That's one of the most ridiculous things I have think the fallacies have come into like, the church is that we've got to be good enough to be loved by God. That's ridiculous. You don't. He loves us in spite of all of our brokenness. He loves me in spite of the fact that I am not perfect. That's why Jesus died. That I might experience the love of a son who is perfect. At just the right time, God gave his son for the ungodly so that's how we learn to live in love to recognize it right you have a hard time loving other people in your life listen i'm gonna preach against myself have a hard time being kind to people gosh that's such a hard thing for me not overall i mean people say oh you're a nice guy but i have this thing right because i haven't realized how offensive i am to god and so why would i get it in- you get impatient with people how long has it taken right how patient is god with us in our lives we have the opportunity to love others. Flipping back now, First John again, verse 11, says it explicitly. Dear friends, since God has loved us like that, we also should love each other. Do you see the connection? Because God loved us like that, we should love each other like that. So I'm going to ask the question again, the question that we started with. Who can you show more love to this Christmas as we draw near. I want you to look at it, it's like three weeks, right? Looking down. Who can you show more love to in your life? And then the second question, and I, I want you to formulate it in your mind, I'm going to work at it myself. How? How can you really demonstrate love to them in a way that they would know that they're being loved? And I just go, well, I, thought, I thought about you, right? I really loved you. And demonstrate that love to that person. The love that we have experienced. This time of the year, all times of the year, but this time of year, as we think about Christmas, there should be no lack, no lack in the church of celebration and joy over what God is doing. So I'm going to give you a few few things you can do if you want, man. Um, Invite someone somewhere, right? You can invite people to come to church. That would be awesome. We would love to show some love to folks. We love coming because we get loved here, right? You can invite someone to the Christmas Eve service. Listen, you can invite someone to your house. You, you can have like a Christmas meal. Maybe you already have a Christmas meal planned, but it's for your family and it's going to be like cr- crazy. Have another one. Invite your neighbors over for a meal. Or, or invite some coworkers. Bring something to the office. Like, just do something. Say, what is this for? I just just wanted to celebrate. I just wanted to spend time with you. But invite someone. Draw people. This is what is happening is we have a tendency to self-isolate. So be inclusive. Include people. Here's something else. This is the season of Advent, right? The season of expectation. So start praying. Pray. Pray for people. Pray for opportunity. Pray that God would bless them. Like ask, and then ask the question, what would you have me to do? Pray. God, would you bless you know, Bob, bless Bob. God, bless Bob. And what would you have me to do for Bob? Pray both those prayers. Pray for people. And then just show love, right? Uh, yesterday I was at the wedding and uh, I went up to my, I went, you know, people get huggy at weddings. <laughs> Someone's giving me a handshake. <laughs> and they're like, oh, I guess it's a, it's a hugging kind of day so we can hug today. I'm like, I'm a hugger all the time, man. <laughs> like, sorry, you know. But like, smile we were cruising down we were cruising down the road and we saw some dude on the side sitting on a backpack obviously trying to get a ride i would love to tell you i stopped picked him up had a great encounter i did not i was like and then god was just going where's the love take people somewhere go grocery shopping with an elderly neighbor right go christmas caroling with us on christmas day that's just one thing go on your own before christmas day make up your own event um, go show some love. There's no limit of opportunity to do it. Listen, and I'm gonna close. We all want it, right? right. I want you to be honest for a minute. You want people to love you. You want to know that God loves you. You need to be reminded that God loves you. I hope, if nothing else, this morning, I've reminded you that God loves you. So, be that person. Show that love. Go remind somebody who thinks that God's forgotten. God hasn't forgotten you. You were loved by God and me. Pray with me if you would. Father God, we thank you so much for your love for us. Love that we did not deserve. We didn't even know what to expect. Sin and corruption in the world and uh, hard things and God, you know we've sinned against each other and that's everywhere in our faces. Failed. We've been failed. And we have a tendency as you're as people to just continue the pain, continue the hurt. And then your love, your word breaks through and says it shouldn't be that way. That you love us, that we might stop hurting. Might stop being hurt. Might stop hurting others. Father God, would you um, do your work in our lives? This is you. This season of Christmas is about you. It's about your great love for us would you first demonstrate to our hearts that that's the truth? That we, we don't earn your love, we aren't holy enough to be included, we haven't figured it out, but you have lavished your abundant love on us through Jesus Christ that we do not deserve, we could not imagine, and we can't, we can't get enough of, and can't get out of. And then Father, as we realize that, as we go into the Christmas season, the malls, the work, the schools, the life that we live, Would you help us, Father? Would you give us just an attentiveness to your grace and your love for people? I'm gonna ask that you let us see them the way you see them, that we would see ourselves the way you see us, and that we would dispense love freely and generously to other people, that they might know more of you, that we might know more of you and your reality at Christmas. We love you so much. We thank you for the chance to come and talk to you, to ask you for your guidance, your leadership in our lives. You are awesome. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.